I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Here we go. It is a Wednesday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie with you. We can finally say it. The regular season is underway. Three games under our belt. Wee! Thank God. Yeah. Uh, preseason, you know, nice to have had it when we had it, but it's time for real games. Uh, I, the Flames begin tonight. Uh, I, the Senators are also playing tonight. A lot of, all the Canadian teams are getting in on the action tonight. Yeah. Are the Habs and Leafs playing? I don't know. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, I have no idea if the Habs and Leafs are playing, Montreal. actually. Now that I say that, you know, I have not seen any hype about yeah. it. I don't know if any journalists are talking about it. Is it even a rivalry at this point? It's not. It's not. Um, yeah. I got to ask you, what did you think of the Vegas Golden Knights had their Stanley Cup ban- banner unveiling ceremony, and they did it in the most Vegas way ever? A lot of pomp and circumstance, a lot of sizzle. What did you think of the way they pulled that off last night? So for people who didn't see, uh, they had a makeshift slot machine, and they yeah. had a player uh, like pull the lever down, and then you see like on the slots, it, it comes up with three Stanley Cups. And then the banner gets raised. It was Stone, think, right? It was Mark Stone who pulled the lever. I think it was Mark Stone. Yeah. yeah, like that's one of the coolest things I've seen. You know, I I, I am amazed at the in-game presentation that <laughs> Vegas has, and I get it. V- Vegas is leading into the glitz and glamour that it has, but that is one thing that hockey misses so much in terms of just how they present the game to fans. Like, I love the I love the idea that in any other sport the in-game experience matters and fans go off in a certain way and have all these chants and, and teams lean into these, this personality that is very much like their city. And for a team like Vegas to do that, I thought, I thought it was really cool and I think it should be celebrated. And I hope that, you know, if uh, the league decides to expand, which eventually it will, uh, I hope that more teams take notice of this and just lean into being more of a one of one and not just being this totally traditionalist, outfit i love what vegas did with the banner and i've loved what they've been able to do in terms of you know just personalizing personalizing their in-game experience for fans it's amazing okay so tell me if you like this idea 
again, big reason why we have this podcast is just to spitball ideas and see if they'll actually work in, 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 the, in the real world. And people take it. People take people to it. We appreciate it. that too. San Jose has their home opener Friday night. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I believe it's Friday night. They're, they're actually playing Vegas. Now, maybe to indicate that, um, that they're like kind of setting the expectations for the season for San Jose, what if they come out with a slot machine and Logan Couture pulls it and it's like it's all lemons? So it's like, hey, <laughs> guys, we're in for a rough ride this year. And oh. it's like you set the expectations, right? I was, I was thinking more like, like you pull out an actual shark tank. And you have it in the middle of the ice. But I mean, maybe a slot machine pulling out lemons is a lot safer and really tug in cheek a a good shot at the other team, too. But no, these teams have money. Like owners can go bigger than that than a slot machine. It could be different. I still think a shark tank would be a great idea that would absolutely not result in any casualties or any controversies on the ice. Absolutely not. SJ Sharky is the mascot, right? Yeah, Uh, SJ Sharky. That's that's, that's Chris Johnston's friend. Yeah. You yeah. ever see that photo with, with I'm only mentioning CJ because you know, but like CJ has that photo with, with Sharky. You ever see that photo from a couple years ago? It's I don't this think hilarious. So. so there's a hilarious, like it was like a little bit of a meme in the hockey community a couple years ago where like CJ is like doing like a hit for, for I think it was with sports at the time. And like SJ Sharky is like kind of like hovering behind him. Just, you know, like how sharks <laughs> can get and all that. And I, th- I believe they eventually met up. And you see CJ like kind of like open his mouth, like, ah, like I'm having, I'm having fun with Sharky. And Sharky like literally like opens his mouth. It looks like he's about to bite him. That's like a pure wholesome, wholesome thing for me. I, did you, I, did I you just that. say, like, you know how sharks, how sharks can be? Like, <laughs> you know that this is a mascot, right? Like, you know how sharks, I mean, yeah. You know, I, I used you know to shark. A- do, you, do you feel safe around sharks? Do you, do, are you brave I've all never, of a sudden? I've never seen one, like an actual shark in real. Me neither. Uh, in real life, outside yeah, of the uh, up, what's that overpriced TV. aquarium? Yeah, Ripley's Aquarium. Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, um, I used to have a great rivalry when I I did TV, and I used to be a ringside reporter for for Sportsnet. And every time I would go to Pittsburgh, I had a great fun, and I will emphasize obviously unspoken rivalry because he couldn't speak with the Pittsburgh Penguins mascot, Iceberg. Like this oh. into my shot while I was on TV, he would kind of stare me down. But I felt like there was like a real professional understanding between us. We never spoke, but I felt like there was a mutual respect there. After like Ottawa and Pittsburgh used to play in the playoffs all the time, but I had a great rivalry going with the guy or the girl, whoever played Iceberg under the costume. We That's had so some cool. Going on. I love having a rapport with a mascot. When I was in Montreal and I would see uh, Yuppie walk along the press box, I would love to just kind of just give him give him some dap, you know, like get some props in, try to get some kind of handshake going. I, 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 it's always cool. Even when I went back last year, you know, just a little homecoming game for me. I saw Yuppie. Yuppie showed me love, man. Like I, I love doing that. I haven't been able to really establish that rapport with Harvey the Hound because he doesn't hang around like the, the, the infrastructure at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome is very different compared to other arenas obviously but Harvey the Hound doesn't make his way towards the reporters I think I only saw him in person for the first time maybe like three four weeks ago at the at the Flames golf tournament and he was like hanging out outside uh, uh outside the course and like me and another reporter were just like 
just hanging out with, with Harvey, man. Like it, but you know, I, I would like to befriend Harvey a little bit more. You know, I, I want more of a rapport with with different mascots. I don't know if I want a rivalry like you, but I think mascots are are nice people and they're worth getting to know if you let them have the chance. Okay, I'm just uh, going through it's a lot of mascot run- talk for this show. I'm just going through the rundown of our show. I'm just going to cross off personal connections to mascot. Now that uh, we've gotten through that, uh, we've, yes. we've we've gotten deep. Hey, we talked about the NHL's decision to not allow players to wear pride themed tape on Tuesday's pod, mm-hmm. and obviously, as the way that the news cycle goes, there's been some developments here. Let's start with this, and I think we talked about this yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like this was on the pod, but but maybe it was just. A conversation we're having now i can't even remember but we were saying at some point a player is going to push back someone's going to just wear yes. the tape and i think i said scott lawton would be my my pick i can't remember if i said it on the air or we not, did mention scott lawton a I lot did. because of 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 what he and james van reamsdyke yeah uh had done meeting with members of the lgbtq community pretty much on the, on the same night as as the ivan Provorov thing came to light Scott Lawton tells reporters in Philadelphia today the Flyers play the uh, the Jackets uh, in their regular season opener tomorrow. Scott Lawton tells reporters, quote, you'll probably see me with the pride tape on that night anyway. If they want to say something, they can. That night being the Flyers pride night, which I believe is scheduled for the back half of the season. But there you go. We were wondering if and when an NHL player would say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, Scott Lawton says, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I, I, I and it, it's kind of funny that uh, yesterday we're slowly starting to see the reactions, and the more we see players react to this, the more direct it seems. There's another uh, quote I'll, I'll read out. This actually came from uh, John Merrill up in Minnesota. I'm just going to read this tweet off from uh, our, our our buddy Joe Smith. Uh, if anyone does it, what is the league going to do? Take me off the ice? Give me a penalty? Then you look bad as a league. I don't know. It's upsetting. Just disappointing. And it speaks to something that I know for sure I brought up yesterday. Like, we thought it was really weird that players would try to step up and and say, hey, we don't want to do this. I didn't think it was far-fetched that players would push back. And I know people have been wondering if the NHLPA co-signed on this with with regards to the memos and and changes. I'll tell you this, judging off some of the reactions from, from players, I, you can't tell me this was a fairly unanimous choice to let this go. No, and I will, for transparency's sake, say it's been about 24 hours since I reached out to the NHLPA for an official comment on it. Uh, I will, I'll acknowledge that I've been in contact with them. We've mm-hmm. traded notes, but nothing has been given to me in terms of, hey, here's a formal statement. Here's the answers to your questions. So at this time, I would say that they've been reluctant to weigh in. They haven't weighed in. Uh, is that a function? Is that a function of you know what's going on behind the scenes? Is it they just want to make sure they get this right? I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. I saw you put this out earlier today, Anthony Duclair of now of the San Jose Sharks, saying, "Hey, don't forget, while this also impacts Pride Night, let's skip ahead to February. Let's talk about Black History Month." You know, last year, I, I can't remember if it was last year, Julian, or two years ago, and I have a lot of time for Anthony. Uh, I got to know him in Ottawa. One of the most genuine players I've gotten to know, very well-spoken, very passionate about social issues. And I remember doing a story with him about he got to wear custom Willie O'Ree skates. Yeah, uh, Bauer put them together 2021, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
Well, I think it's fair to say, like, now you can't wear that, right? Like, you, like the NHL has said anything on your equipment, stick, uh, skates, whatever, you can't have anything that would have a message to it. So you're also now saying you can't have Willie O'Ree skates. What it's are we just, doing here? It, it's stupid. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had thought about that before I came across the – uh, Anthony Duclair uh, quote, which uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Shang Peng of uh, uh, San Jose Hockey. Now he wrote the story and I just quote tweeted the quote and it's very much lost in all of this. Obviously with, with pride uh, we, we, with the tape, it's a very visible uh, event that has, has marched, uh, has been marked on the NHL calendar for quite some time, but black history month is something that the NHL in the last four or five years, that's something they've very recently started to acknowledge. And we see teams go out of their way to have their own specialty jerseys for that. And, and the skates thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I remember writing about that for another outlet a couple of years ago, but the fact that that stuff like black history month is lost in the back of this, we should not forget about that. And it just should goes to show that this change in, in philosophy is, I don't agree with it, and there are players that don't agree with it, and I really wonder if the NHL will change course on this because I think they're they're eventually going to have to realize that they're, they're going to get more and more bad PR as a result of this, and if players push back, maybe they'll be forced to change. I don't know. I I, I get that the culture of, of the sport, or maybe some people look at the players and they think, oh, they're not strong enough to fight back. They just want to fall in line, and there's some guys who generally don't want to rock the boat. But I really wonder. I, I, I'm inclined to be optimistic with Scott Lawton's comments and, and Anthony Duclair's comments as well. And now John Merrill adding to this. And there have been other players who have spoken out as well and expressed disappointment. I want to say I'm optimistic that there will be more pushback and not just towards uh, efforts to repress pride, but for other events as well. Yeah. No, it's it, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this plays itself out. Uh, as John Merrill says, what are, what are you going to do? Right? You're going to find me. What are you going to do? Seriously, like, do, it's a bad PR worst. move if they find them. It's it, a bad. It's a terrible it's a bad move look. if they do that. Right? Like, it, 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 yeah. Sorry, not to cut you off. Yeah. No. 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 The the, the league that was so re- resistant to saying Black Lives Matter, the league that is so resistant to all of these things. This is really, you know, it doesn't it doesn't come as a huge surprise, but 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 a tip. We just wanted to tip our hat to Scott Lawton in particular, and. Um, and just say that, you know, like I did. So I just put the story up now and mm-hmm. speaking to a couple of experts in the field about allyship, Julian, they said, look, now you're actually going to find out who the real allies are because it's going to take work. It's going to take a lot of work. And it's not just about taping the, the top of your stick or using it on the blade of your stick. It's I got to actively seek this out now. So it, 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 it it's going to be a fascinating season to watch that unfold and I don't think that that story is going away um, anytime, anytime soon let us bring in our pal better known as Down Goes Brown Sean McIndoe is uh, is with us and look at this he's all excited to be in video format obviously this is an audio podcast but also we have a video version available here on on YouTube I'm, I'm super excited about that Really enjoyed that while I was <laughs> two minutes before I came on, I was sprinting upstairs going, I got to run a brush through my hair or something. Oh, uh, it's great. It's really yeah. good. Listen, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. And look, I loved your tweet 
uh, from last night when you said this, and I'm going to paraphrase, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but your tweet was essentially after Chicago beat Pittsburgh, your tweet was, wow, that was the most painful loss for Pittsburgh against Chicago since the last one. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's pretty good. should just stop hosting the Blackhawks for games because the last, last time we saw these two teams was <laughs> arguably in hindsight, the most important game of the entire season, because that was the game that Pittsburgh went in. They, they held the hammer as far as yep. making the playoffs win out and you're in and they're playing bad teams, including the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that was openly tanking for Connor Bedard. Uh, they go in, they blow that game. That ends up costing the Penguins a playoff spot. Florida gets in instead. We all know what they went and did in the playoffs. And then, oh, by the way, because of those two points, Chicago doesn't finish last, but they end up finishing in the right spot to win the lottery and get Connor Bedard. Um, it was a big one. And I don't think last night's going to uh, be remembered maybe quite uh, as uh, as important in the grand scheme of things, but it'll be a memorable game too because it was uh, it, it was very cool to see some uh, some new stars and some big stars in new places. Connor Bedard got his first NHL point off of that, right? Like literally, uh, Pittsburgh not getting the job done cost them in the future too. That that assist he got like kickstarted a comeback for Chicago in that game. Yeah, exactly. And and look, I mean, not exactly the highlight reel, Connor Bedard. Uh, uh, offense that we're gonna that we're looking forward to and that we're gonna see a ton of times this year, but not bad, you know, not bad for a kid going into a tough building uh, against a team that uh, would have been a heavy favorite. Yeah, get the get the offense going, uh, get uh, uh, you know get things moving and show that hey, the Chicago Blackhawks. None of us think they're gonna be very good this year. Uh, I don't think they think they're gonna be very good this year, but. You can be a bad team and still be a tough team to play against. And they sort of sent a message last night. Look, man, there's no nights off against the Chicago Blackhawks this year. Um, and uh, uh, if you think it's going to be an easy one, even if we're down a couple of goals, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to back off. And at the end of the year, if the record's no good and the draft pick is high, hey, Kyle Davidson will probably take that. But uh, you see a little pushback from his team. Uh, he, he probably enjoyed that, I'm guessing. Let's get to your oddly specific prediction column which is uh, a lot of fun where you go through every team in the NHL so all 32 teams get a hyper specific yeah. prediction now too some specific. of them we can just say it's it's hyper specific too much too much yeah. okay so uh, now some of them are pretty cool like some of them are of the point where you're like okay I think you said Jack Hughes is going to win the Hart Trophy so you know it's 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 like big picture stuff that that and then you have some that are such like they're, they're so specific on a date or what a guy's going to do or this. I think for Ottawa, you said Dominic Kubalik is going to score uh, like October 21st. Yeah. Like, yeah. You so didn't know that? Crazy. Sorry. Uh, spoiler it's a alert. Very uh, specific prediction. Look, anybody can do and And I'm not knocking the people who do predictions. I love them. I, I sit here and devour every prediction column, every team that's doing their 10 bold predictions and, and that sort of thing. I'm in. Um, but it's one thing to predict, oh, this guy's going to hit this milestone or, you know, this guy's going to get to the, that's great. But, uh, 
nice work on the on the super. That's a great. That's, that's a great addition. This breaking a bre- news. For those that's who are good. not watching on YouTube, uh, uh, thanks to our production team for adding a ticker yeah. that the bottom says "Breaking News." Dominic Kubelik will score October twenty first. Can we add uh, to the ticker as well? Uh, Jacob Markstrom will shut out the Toronto Maple Leafs on January eighteenth. <laughs> just put, just go through the prediction Must. list. Credit McIndoo, though. Okay, I don't want this to be yes. one of these things where the the aggregators get a hold of it and suddenly all my yeah, inside true. scoops are damn are aggregators. They keep taking the content. Any, anybody can just say somebody's going to get to a milestone. Somebody's going to do this or that. It takes a special kind of idiot, let's just say, <laughs> to get so specific that you pick the exact date that it's going to happen, or the game that it's going to happen, or the circumstances. And I, I'll be honest. People ask me every time this column goes out, they go, do you ever get any right? Not many. Yeah, I'll, I'll be real <laughs> honest with you. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm drilling down really specific here. Yeah, most of them, I, I at the end of the year, I'll, I'll do sort of a, a dive in and I'll say, look, man, here's the ones I was wrong. Here's the ones I was maybe a little close. Here's the ones I was really, really wrong. But every now and then, I do get one right. Uh, and I got a streak of a couple of years of, of getting, uh, you know, real long shots where I called not just something that was unlikely to happen, but got the exact day that it was going to happen. So I'm feeling a lot of pressure. Can you give us an example? Yeah, th- yeah, it was the shutout, right? Well, I, I, this all started, and this was even before I was doing this column, was was the Jacob Markstrom shutouts. I've been yes. summoning those for years, including, this was going back six years ago now. I wrote a piece, and I said, Jacob Markstrom is closing in on the record for the longest streak without a shutout in his career. Because he was like 120 games in and didn't have a shutout. He got a shutout that night. And that was where I sort of say, because I had ended the column saying, hey, we all know what's going to happen tonight, right? It's, he's getting the shutout. But no, I'll, I'll give you the two that I've I've had in the last couple of years, just to give people a sense. Last year, I was looking at the stats. I love digging into the stats and finding weird stuff to inspire this. And I found that the LA Kings, uh, it, two seasons ago, were the only team that went the whole year without a misconduct. So I said, okay, this year... They're going to get one. They're going to get one misconduct wow. penalty, which, you know, that'd be an okay prediction on its own. But no, no. And I said, they're going to do it on Dustin Brown number retirement night. <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins are in town. That's the night that the Kings are going to get their one misconduct penalty of the year. And people will remember that game because that was the game where uh, Sidney Crosby got kicked out of that game. And it was the first time in his entire career he had ever been ejected. But on the way out, he got a misconduct. And so did the so did somebody on the LA Kings. So I nailed that one. That was pretty impressive. But I don't think anything will ever top uh, two years ago, where I, I looked at the numbers and I realized that uh, there, a guy named Joel Hanley, he's a defensive okay. defenseman, seventh yes. defenseman on the Dallas Stars, and he was the the leader. He was like 60, 70 games into his career, had never scored a goal, and he was the current active leader among NHL players, most games played without a goal. And I said. He's getting the goal this year, and he's going to get it in his 100th game. So I didn't call the date, but I said, oh, whenever night he plays his 100th game, get ready because it's Joel Hanley goal night. And sure enough, and I'll be honest, I forgot about it. And then just one night, my Twitter was blowing up with Dallas Stars fans. And I was going, what the heck is going on? What have I done to get on the radar of the Dallas Stars fan base? And they were going nuts because Joel Hanley had just in his 100th game, had just scored the goal, uh, which I think to this day is the only regular season goal he's ever scored um, in game number 100. Sean Stradamus should be your name. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I'm telling you, throw some spoiler tags on these. There's there's a good chance something in there is going to be right or not. So in you which got case, the script. We'll delete this footage and we'll never show it to anyone. So you got the script for the NHL season then, right? Yeah. Like we're yeah. we're all into scripts now. Everything's I gotta scripted. Be honest. Everything's rigged. I I I help I help write it. Uh, they <gasps> they've reached out to me and they're like, but, look, uh, can you if you do, you know, you got any tips? You know, what should we do? I'm always going like, hey, can we maybe change the Maple Leafs ending this year? It feels a little predictable. And they're like, no, you know, we're yeah, going to stick with that, that one. But maybe some other things you want to you want to hit us up. I, you know, I help. Out. I do what I can. You know, me and Gary, we're we're tight. We're we're like that. So. Oh, man, I, I, I do love I love the the NFL. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun, right? The, the, the ad campaign with the with the script stuff, yeah. because it's you know, it, 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 go, it leans into the fact that people think the games are rigged. So it's it's a ton of fun, but I you know I think that you should do a like you should do a spoof. Wait, you did did you not do one of these? I feel like now I don't know. We should do a whole segment. Was it a real yeah. story a down, or a down goes Brown story or just a fever dream but or a dream? Not, oh or was it something I just pitched to you over beers like one yeah. night? Where I was did like, hey, I'm going to write something this. like a script of a season or. I- I never did a script of a scene. I used to have a running gag where I had my my spies yes, would that's, infiltrate okay. things that's around exactly, the league. That's Suspension exactly what hearings about. or meetings yeah. or that sort of thing, and they yeah. would report back on a transcript. Gary Batman holds a lot of parties. He did back in the day. I guess he doesn't anymore. Um, I haven't. The, the spies have been uh, uh, they've been on strike for a while now. But if I can get that settled, yeah. If I if I get any more inside scoops, I might uh, I might go and do that. So we got opening. We had opening night last night, uh, and there was three games on the docket. Today's a lot busier with a, with a handful of games. Every Canadian team uh, is in action. We joked about the fact that there hasn't been a lot of buzz around Toronto, Montreal, but but there is. It, it, it's zero a talking point yeah. of of this one. Uh, who plays more games in goal for Toronto this season, Samsonov or uh, or Walt? Well, I mean, Samsonov is definitely the plan. Uh, and and something will have gone wrong if it's uh, if it's Wall. Um, I mean, he's he's a, a decent prospect, uh, and you know he's a good young kid and a cheap kid, uh, which is important for that Leafs team, especially if you're talking a backup goalie. You don't want to be spending a ton on that, um, as uh, as as they learned last year. Um, so I think he's got a real shot to 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 have an impact. And we you know we saw in the playoffs last year when they needed him, they felt okay to turn to him. Um, I, I think the plan has got to be, hey, Samsonov's got to be our guy. Maybe not that 60-65 game mark, but he's got to be our 55-game guy. Um, and and we've got Martin Jones waiting in the wings if it doesn't work out. I, I will say, man, there's a lot of people who look at the Maple Leafs, and when I when I see them projecting ahead, a lot of people just seem to skip over the goaltending. And, and look, Ilya Samsonov was very good last year. He was He was better than expected. He played quite well, played... Well enough in the playoffs. Numbers weren't great, but hey, he outplayed Andre Vasilevsky, um, and uh, you know, so he was a good story. He wasn't phenomenal, and and it's he wasn't so good that I feel like you just write off that. Hey, the Maple Leafs are all set in goal. Um, you look around the league. I mean, there's 20 teams that aren't set in goal, so it's it's not the end of the world. But boy, it, it, you know, as soon as you ask that question, you start thinking, well, what would have to happen for it not to be Samsonov? And then you go, well, I mean, all that would really have to happen is he'd have to play like he did with the Capitals. And if that happens, now what's what does how does that spiral down in in Toronto, a, a market that I'm sure you guys are aware is very chill right now and and absolutely yeah. going to totally react fine if they go and lose to Montreal or lose a couple games early. 
Oh yeah. Um, I, I, since we are on the subject of the Leafs, um, I want to ask you. I have two questions. I'll go with this first one. How do you feel about the goal song? Where do you stand on the debate when it comes to Hall and Oates? Like I've seen people yeah. throughout this uh, the preseason seem to be wondering aloud if there's going to be a change. I don't know if there was ever anyone who genuinely suggested there was going to be a change. I was in, in one of my group chats today. Uh, someone noticed a, an Instagram post from Justin Bieber uh, with the Maple Leaf uh, logo, and he said he was looking forward to uh, hearing some hollow notes. And some people are wondering if this is a very, very sly way of the Leafs announcing that they're actually going to switch it to a Justin Bieber song. Like, what, what are your thoughts on the goal song? And what are your thoughts on on the on the fact that it's such a big talking point around the NHL world? I, I, I you're you're going to have to excuse me, Jill. I'm a little confused. You suggesting changing something in Toronto? Why mess with success, man? It's working. I mean, you keep the core, you keep the coach, you keep all the strategies. You don't keep the GM. You keep the goal. Well, you you want to keep the GM until the GM mumbles something about missing his family, and then yeah, then he's gone. But yeah, how dare that, you miss your family? <laughs> you keep everything, and and so I guess you keep the goal. So I mean, I. I, I think I'm like everyone. When I first saw them doing that uh, that goal song years ago, I was like, "Oh, ha, okay, that's that's cute." They're they're sort of doing it, but it's it's ironic, and and I get it. Um, I, I could certainly see changing it up. I wouldn't mind that. Let's just say I, I feel like of of all the things that you can change about a hockey team, this has got to be pretty much the easiest. Um, but they're they're sticking with it, and man, it's on brand, right? Refusing to change when the entire fan base is like, "We are begging you." To change something, uh, that's very on brand for the Maple Leafs these days. Do you have a suggestion? Uh, it, you know what? You're asking me that, and I can see the terror on Ian's face because he knows my taste in music. No, yeah. I don't have any good suggestions. Um, I it, it would probably just be some other like '80s or '90s pop song. I uh, I I know nothing about what is popular now. Um, and uh, as, as my my kids would uh, probably tell you, and all I know from my kids' music is. All you got to do to make a hit song these days is take a song that already exists and like speed it up or slow it down. And that's considered a new song. So how about this? Hall and Oates sped up. Is that how does that work? New goal song, new new year, new us. What Faster, do you think? remixed a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I'm not opposed to I mean, I don't really care at the end of the day, but uh yeah. My, big, my, it's a big issue. My 16-year-old went to a concert last night. That I know Sean has never heard of this artist, but I feel like maybe Daniel Caesar. Daniel Caesar. Yep. See, Sean's like me. I got nothing. I I only know Daniel Caesar from my kids. And I'm like, Julian knows Daniel Caesar for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a a friend of mine. If that, if if it's related at all, but no, I don't. Daniel (laughs) Tiger? I've heard of Daniel Powder, but not Daniel Tiger. Remember Daniel Powder? Yeah, I think we, we find we. I think we just hey, found, like, we just went two out of three on each of those references. Yeah, uh, so yeah, that's this, we this found the, the the middle of the Venn diagram. We're trying to find a unified of theory yeah. of Daniel. We're trying to yeah. find one that all three of us will know, but we're not. Yeah. Uh, we're not there yet. I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Oh man, yeah. hey, uh, I, I do yeah, want to chat with you guys about some news out of New Jersey, where Lindy Ruff has agreed to a multi-year extension. Sean, let's go back a year. It was October of 2022. Fire Lindy. Right? That's all we heard. Fire Lindy. And now they've, like, imagine going back to middle of October last year and saying, just so you know, a year from now, 
the Devils are going to be a Stanley Cup kind of dark horse contender, and Lindy Ruff is going to be getting a multi-year extension. So I ask you to look into the down goes Brown crystal ball and look at some situation now and now think a year and a half be like, I can't believe this. Boy, I, and I know why What's you're bringing ball? this up, okay? Like just, just to take it full circle and put a ball on it. In my oddly specific predictions last year, I predicted the exact game that Lindy Ruff would be the first coach fired in the NHL. And and you remember, Ian, on, on the show, you guys surfaced a clip of me. I guess I had, in my predictions for the Devils, I said, guys, we're sleeping on the Devils. This could be a really good team. Once Lindy Ruff is gone and Andrew Burnett's the coach, maybe they really respond well like the Panthers did. And and it, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, boy, what would be... Yeah, like what would be the, the thing? one that you look at? Because I feel like, I mean, I, I feel like the number one coach on the hot seat right now is is DJ Smith. But that's that's also partly because of the ownership and, and the GM situation. Barube? Craig Barube. Um, although I, I, but again, like, I, I mean, the Blues... I don't think they're going to be good this year, but if the Blues surprised everyone and Craig Berube surprised everyone on a team that we thought was bad and turned them good, hey, we've seen that one already. Again, the script writers need to stop recycling plot lines. That was the whole <laughs> the whole main story arc of a few years ago. So, boy, what's one that we look at? And um, You know who I'm, I feel like is getting some... I, hey, heat's not the right word. Some criticism outside of their market these days is Steve Eiserman. I know yeah. Detroit fans still yeah, still buy outside it. the market. Yes. Detroit absolutely. fans seem to love the guy. They trust him. And I get it. I mean, this is it's Steve Eiserman. This guy is he he is hockey to a generation of Red Wings fans. But outside of Detroit, there's a lot of people going, "Man, the, the wheels are just spinning. You're seeing all these predictions where Detroit's 7th place in the Atlantic in every prediction. Everyone's talking about is it going to be Buffalo or Ottawa or is Pittsburgh going to jump in and take that playoff spot? I, I, you know, the two that I'll say, and I'll, I'll stay out east for both of them. Detroit being the team that makes the big jump instead of Buffalo and Ottawa would be one that I feel like, like New Jersey, we'd look back and go, we didn't see it, but maybe we should have because there were the pieces there. The maybe we should have yeah. seen it. And then the other one, and and you want to talk about uh, the the hidden in plain sight? You want to throw everybody off? How about this? That last spot in the east, you know who gets it? The team that already has it, the New York Islanders. That the team that everybody can't wait to get out of here so that we can put some new teams in there, get some new blood into the playoff mix, and we get to the end of the season, and there's Lou Lamarillo has once again got a team into the playoffs once again. And then we're all sitting there going, oh, right, they were a playoff team last year, and Barzell was healthy, and they had Bo Horvath for the whole year. Of course they were going to be better, and we all look dumb for, for counting them out. Those are my two predictions that aren't actually predictions but I still want credit for them if they happen. Yes. But the fun thing, the fun thing with the Islanders too is, is that there might be people who don't want to see the Islanders in the playoffs, but they also have a genuine candidate for the Vesna and Ilias Rorkin. Yep. Like people are, people are yeah. pitting him and Igor Shosturkin to against each other for the Vesna this year. You can't have both. You can't, say, you know you can't say the Islanders are going to suck and then say Sorokin's not going to be good. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, I, I can't, even though I've just kind of made an optimist case for the Islanders, I can't see the Islanders being a great team. I can't see them, you know, running for the top of the division, but they get into the playoffs. You want to play the New York Islanders? You want to face Ilya Sorokin in the playoffs? All uh-huh. he's got to do is get hot for four games. No way. I don't want any part of it. I, we saw, we saw what a heart, a hot goalie could do last year in the playoffs to Sergei Bobrovsky, who by the way, isn't even all that good anymore. Imagine Ilya Sorokin just going on a two month hot streak in, in the playoffs might be game over for everybody else. Could happen. 
let me ask you guys this question. It's a Vesna Trophy prediction. I'm going to give you two choices. You can pick that the Vesna Trophy winner is going to play for a New York team with the in- initials IS. Yeah. Or you can take the field. What do you think? Okay. So it's got to be a New York team because I mean, you know, I'm Ilya Samsonov. I think is the guy, but you're telling me I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't take him unless he gets traded. Maybe he gets traded to the the Devils. I'm taking the field because I my pick field, is Jake yeah. Ottinger. I'm taking Jay. I think Jake Ottinger. I'm 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 not all in. I'm I'm a lot in on the Dallas Stars this year. I'm Julian? taking IS then. I'm taking IS. IS. I I I like my chances at either Sorokin or Sisterkin, uh doing well enough to win the Vezina. I I expect both. Uh, well, definitely the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to be a playoff team this year. I expect Shesterkin to kind of rebound after a so-so last year. And Sorokin's still on top of his game. I like my chances. I think both of them will be nominees for the Vezina. And then you could throw in, I mean, I want to I want to give UC Saros love. I just don't know if the Nashville Predators are a playoff team this year. So yeah. someone else is going to have to be that third guy. I'm just picturing you know, the I dot a is. IS and then another IS where you're just going out of that little that little tail on the first I and there you go JS there you you're go all, you're in yeah that's right you're in um, and that'll be great for uh, anyone who votes on the awards because uh, you know we we never get confused about uh, you know, <laughs> who, who should who should go where or who we should vote for so never uh, having all those guys yeah. never happened you know I, I know our goalie guru Jesse Granger is on deck here in a couple of minutes but before we get to him Sean we love doing this week in hockey history. Yeah, and I want to do a couple of this week in hockey history with you guys because yes. it's it's always fun. So we're gonna go back uh, October the eleventh, nineteen twenty four. The Boston Bruins and the Montreal Maroons are granted NHL franchises. Now we know that Seattle paid a cool six hundred and fifty million to get into the NHL a couple of years ago. Guys, how much did the Bruins and the Maroons pay to get in? In nineteen twenty, this week in nineteen twenty four, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a uh, hundred bucks, a slightly used fedora, and promising that their arena wasn't actively on fire at that moment. That's it. I will. Uh, since he guessed a hundred dollars, I don't think my one dollar bid will work out here. So I'll say one hundred thousand dollars and the rights and the future rights to a cartoon somewhere down the line. Okay. Itchy and scratchy uh, cartoon. Yeah. Um, fifteen thousand is the number. Fifteen one oh. five. Fifteen thousand dollars they paid to get in. I went over. Boy, that's yeah. it. Price is right rules, man. I'm sorry. That's right. He well, he did try that. to go one dollar. He did. Yeah. Uh, I thought about it, but just it wouldn't have been enough. Yeah. Um. This one is weird to me too, and I, I think Sean, maybe Sean knows a little bit of the backstory. I don't know a ton of it, but on this date, 1987. The longest Ironman streak at the time, Doug Jarvis, ended at 964 games. Now, he doesn't play for – he's playing for Hartford. It's October the 11th, 1987. Doug Jarvis has played 964 games in a row. Whalers are like, hey, man, streak's over. You're not playing tonight. The next day, they send him to the minors, and he never plays again. Wow. Seems like a harsh ending. You go 964 in a row – Mm-hmm. And then you never like you never play again. They, they kept I, clean of it. I guess they. I mean, they kept it going as long as they could. Doesn't it feel a little bit like a Phil Kessel situation where? Yeah, you know, that's they, exactly they, what I was thinking of. You get to that point in the streak, and you're like, oh, I mean, 
the guy needs a rest. If we're playing back-to-back games. I should sit him, but I, I can't. I can't just be the guy who ends the streak. So you keep it going and going and going, and then at some point you go, all right, man, you don't have the streak here. You're out. You're you're done. Did he get? Did you have it there? Did, was he hurt or was it just a no, performance? It, you're, it you're said. Yeah, I think it was a. I think it, it said he yeah. did not dress for Hartford's five-two loss, October eleventh, nineteen eighty-seven, against the Bruins at the Boston Garden. Jarvis was then sent to the minors and never played another game in the NHL. Yep. So I'm assuming I mean, he was healthy. He he had. Uh, I mean he he. I, I, it's a name that I knew for a long time because he had that streak and, uh, you know, had, had both the streak and that fantastic photo of him with the, uh, the, the night. Have you seen that one where he's in the Hartford Whalers gear and he's next to a, an, an actual iron man, like a, a guy in a suit of armor and they're like giving each other the point, the finger guns. It's uh it's a classic bit of uh 1980s NHL marketing. Where was, wanna, uh, where's oh, the I picture of Phil Kessel with a, with iron, with, that's it. Robert Downey Jr. Right. Where's I mean, that you, picture? you would think pointing hot dogs at each other. Like, yeah. how is this not, uh, how is this not getting done? Let's go. Uh, how do we view that streak? Knowing, knowing that like Kessel was just not a factor for, for the golden Knights in the playoffs last year. That, like he, if he gets to continue that regular season streak, like it, it obviously counts, but like, I don't know if him not playing much of the playoffs matters all that much. I, I think we all understand that he, you know, towards the end wasn't, wasn't much of a player. I think if anything, if you're going to question the Kessel streak, you remember the one game where he, and this was, I think before he broke the record uh, and, and he was having a, they were having a baby that night and they, they had him go out, get dressed, take one shift and then get out of there. He got out. That was one where you could look at it and go, wait, you know, wait a second. This this (laughs) isn't, uh, um, you know, this, this is not Cal Ripken playing every inning of every game here, but you know what? Hey, this is uh, our man streaks are kind of weird anyways. So it's uh, I, I still to this day, boy, you did. You talk about, uh, you know, if you could go back in time and tell people, imagine going back to, you know, when Phil Kessel was with Boston or early days Even in Toronto, Toronto, early like, Toronto, you know, that pudgy malcontent, that guy over there who looks winded all the time. And remember when he got traded to Toronto, he was hurt. He didn't play for the first month because his, his shoulder was all messed up. And when he makes that first appearance for the Leafs, if you went, this is game one of a streak that is going to break the all-time record. This guy is going to be the Iron Man. He's going to, and oh, by the way, he's also going to be a guy who probably should win the con smite down the line. But uh, you know, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Mister Clutch Performer, Mister Iron Man, uh, Mister Always There, um, Phil Kessel of all people. Man, no, that's it, it's wild, and, and we'll see if he ends up anywhere. Um... Uh, this season, Sean, as always, thanks for dropping by the uh, Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And, and what, what do you got? You have any fun columns you want to tease for later this week or, well, or early next week? You know, week? I it's I I do have one more piece that's coming. I last week we talked about it on the show last week. I had my prediction contest. Yes, uh, I think you guys both uh, put. Well, put I didn't. In. I couldn't get get back into. Fix mine, by the way, but fix that's another it. story. There's no, there's no fixing. I mean, you just stand by what you wrote. You. You, yeah. you think Connor Halbuck's getting traded? That's, yeah, that's exactly that's what I had in there, and I, I couldn't get what I've got, What I've done is I've taken that. I'm, we're not going to worry about the contest side of it, but the nice thing about that is I get the I get 2,000 different people giving me their opinions on what's going to happen in the season, and it's there's some interesting stuff in there. Who do What teams do people actually believe in when they've got some skin in the game, and what teams do people not believe in, and especially what team, and I'm not, I, I'll let you guess, but I'm not going to tell you, which team did... 
almost nobody pick for any of the categories. Not for the good, not for the bad, not for the middle. The team that people just have no idea what to do with this team uh, and and wanted nothing to do with having them on any of their ballots. Florida. It's St. Louis. Okay. Interesting picks. Uh, I will tell you, both of those teams were were high up on the list, but you're going to have to uh, wait until Friday to find out. Okay. Got it right. okay. All right. Awesome. Good, that, All right. That is a good tease. There it is. There we go. Yeah, exactly. That is a great tease. All right. There goes uh, Sean McAdoo. Down goes Brown. And uh, I don't know. I don't think I did very well, Julian, on that prediction <laughs> column. I know I did. I I, I had uh, Hellebuck as the guy that's going to get traded. And then a couple of days from now, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Then I got inundated with having to write some stuff in and around the pride tape stuff. And I just yeah. didn't have time to Aww. get back in. So whatever. I, I wrote mine a couple of nights ago. And I'm trying to think of some of the answers off the top of my head. I know I, I think for the bonus one, uh, I think that's the one where you're supposed to pick who's going to win hard trophy. I put Jack Hughes there. I put in a couple teams. I tried not to. I There were some that I, I maxed out uh, and tried to put as many teams as I could for each category. But there are some teams, I, some categories I thought, you know what? I'll show some restraint and keep it to like two or three. Yeah. I don't want to get any of these wrong, but I know I'll probably get some of these wrong. There's no way. There's no way I'll get all of them. We were talking earlier in the show about the pomp and circumstance in Vegas and about who might be the Vesna Trophy winning goalie this season. Boy, I wonder if there would be another person to bring into the Athletic Hockey Show that could hit on those two things. Yeah, if I only really there was. If only we had someone who could do that. Our guy. What's up, guys? Ranger. Hey. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. A lot going on here in Vegas. Uh, it's been a busy couple of days. It was fun last night. Uh, a, a party fitting of the city last night. Um, they, they, they've been partying all summer, and they ended it with a big one and, and a big win. So it was a fun night. Yeah. See, I, I'm so envious. Oh, I'm so envious of because Jesse lives in, like, the town that's just it's known for fun, and I live in the town known for government bureaucracy. So I can only imagine... <laughs> Our, our party is going to be just a bunch of people wrapped up in red tape. I think that's what's going to happen when, when the senators went. But, but hey, did you ever – have you had a chance – those Stanley Cup rings were really cool. Have you had a chance to actually hold one and look in – like peek inside and see the little – like that's a really cool um, Stanley Cup ring if you want to explain that a little bit to the listeners. Yes, I, I was lucky enough to hold one. Uh, they had – so Laurent Bressois obviously gets a ring. Um, he's now in Winnipeg. He signed with the Jets over the offseason, so they hadn't shipped his ring to him yet. So the day after, the morning after, um, all the players got theirs because they had a huge team dinner and gave out all the team rings. And the morning after, they they had the guy who designed the rings and the jeweler who, who made the rings, and they, they let us uh, check out Laurent Bressois in person and – First of all, even you you see the pictures on online and it's like, wow, this thing is gaudy. It's massive. When you see it in person, it's even bigger than you expect. And then the the heaviness to this ring. I mean, they, they joke like it's impractical. You can never really wear it. You really can't. I mean, this thing, it, like it, it, I think he said it almost weighs a third of a pound. Wow. Um, it's pretty insane. Um, we tried to see how much, ask him how much they cost. The answer is always priceless, of course. But uh, they are selling a replica ring, like a limited amount um, for the, the very fortunate season ticket holders that can afford it for a uh, low price of $75,000. So if the replica is $75,000, I can't imagine what one of those actual ring costs. It's pretty impressive. Like you mentioned, wow. you can, they open and then they're not the first team to do that. 
Um, I think the Buccaneers rings did that when they won the Super Bowl. There have been a couple teams that uh, the top of the ring actually you twist it and it comes off and it's got the rink inside. And so I was talking to the players in the locker room the day after. And one of the the coolest little details, there's so many little details, right? And like these rings, every number of diamonds has a meaning to it. Like everything on this thing has a meaning. They, they designed it with so much thought. One of the coolest little details that the players really like is so when you open it, it's got the rink and it's actually got like the lines on the ice painted and they have little stars, the little like alternate logo for the Golden Knights. They have a star where they actually plotted each of the nine goals they scored against Florida mm. in the final game, in the clinching game. And like I was talking to Nicholas Haig, who scored one of those goals. And I was like, so were you guys like like looking at it as close as you could, trying to find like the spot that was the goal you scored and just really, really cool little details like that. The players were were so pumped. Uh, to get them and and they were blown away. Um, yeah, they're 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 pretty cool rings. That's so cool. One other part of the ring that I, I don't know if I've seen with any other ring, but that top part you mentioned, I believe you could also wear it as a pendant. Like if you were lucky enough to have one of those rings, it, fine. It's one thing to wear it on your finger. Would you genuinely wear that top part as a pendant? Yeah, I don't think I would. I'm not really a jewelry person. I. I like I, I've never worn a watch. I've never worn necklaces. I, I got married this summer and I even have a hard time. Like, like I, when I, anytime I'm doing anything active, I always want to take my, my wedding ring off. Cause I'm just not even used to wearing that yet. So I'm not a jewelry person, but yes, it is cool that like the, the, the top part pops off and then it, it has a little thing that folds out and that you can run a, a chain through it so that it's a necklace. Um, I saw lots of uh, photos and, and social media posts. The, the, the wives and girlfriends of the players love the, the ability to wear the top of the ring as a necklace, uh, another cool little uh, new, I guess, addition to it. Yeah. And, and Jesse, don't worry about it. Most guys don't like wearing their wedding rings in Vegas. So <laughs> yeah, totally. No. Oh, not, look at Julian. Oh, not like God, that. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Hey, uh, Vegas kicks off the defense of their Stanley Cup, though, with a win. And kind of like what, like, Obviously, when you win the Stanley Cup, and I think the Avalanche went through this last season, there's a little bit of a, you know, maybe you lose a little bit of your edge or like there's a little bit of, it's tough, right? It's tough to get fired up and, and get back to the same level you were at in, in May and June. What's the feeling around that team right now? Defending Stanley Cup champions. How, how yeah. what are the expectations? Well, I mean, the expectation is to win it again. They like, you, you talk to these players and and they all, it's, we're going to do this again. And, and, but, but at the same time, they, they are, they are willing to admit that the feeling is different. Like I remember talking to William Carrier on the ice after they won the Stanley cup, um, like that night. And he goes, he looks at me and he's like, I feel like I beat the video game. And like, do you play the video game anymore after that? Like, what do you, like, what do you do? Like, I did it. Like you've done it. And he, he literally said, he's like, I know we have a whole off season. And by the time the season comes, I'll probably feel differently, but Right now, I feel like like you did it. Like there's nothing else to do. You party all summer. You get to take the cup around your your hometown. And William Carlson put it best last night. We asked him about like, does this feel any different? And he says, yes. I think there's a little less pressure to win because you've won. So the pressure of doing it kind of goes away. But it was so much fun. And like that's what like like that summer was so much fun. And it was so worth the the effort we had to put in that grind to get through four rounds like everything you have done your whole life to win that you do it and you realize it's worth it like it's better than i thought it was going to be and that is what drives you to do it again so it's it's interesting cuz like 
they, they're they're fully willing to admit that yes, you do some of the pressure is off. Jack Eichel said the same thing. There's less pressure to win once you've won. When you've never won one, there's always that what if I retire without getting one? Like that's that's the worst possible outcome, right? Once you have one, the pressure the the that monkey's off your back. You no longer have to worry about that for the rest of your hockey life. I won a cup. But it's so much fun. You finally experience it. You 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 always imagine what it's going to be like. But once you actually do it, you realize this is awesome. We want to do it again. So I I see a motivated team. I see a team that thinks they can win the cup again and want to win the cup again. But just it's a little bit different feeling. You you tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on this team to repeat again. Like immediately after Vegas won the cup, like we're still celebrating them on the ice. We're seeing odds for next season's cup winners. And like Vegas is not the favorite to win. Like Colorado had better odds at winning the Stanley Cup, depending on who you look at. I've seen sites say Colorado. I've seen people say Toronto has the best odds at winning the Stanley Cup this year. But there hasn't been that much change with this with the Vegas roster. Uh, it's more or less the same team. They have everything you need to win a Stanley Cup. They've done it already. What's holding them back from winning this whole thing again? Yeah, I, I agree with you that they are kind of being slept on. And not just those, like Edmonton in their own division, I think is probably the, pe- the team most people are picking to win it all. And like we did our, our staff predictions at the Athletic, not one person picked Vegas to win it all. Um, mm-hmm. And that's partially just you don't want to pick like, right, everybody wants to like pick the new team. You don't want to just pick yeah. a repeat that boring. So I think that plays into it. But um, I think I think a lot of things. I think one part of it, one big part of it is Aiden Hill, right? Like he was spectacular in the playoffs and, and he's third in Conn Smythe voting. He was a huge part of why they won that Stanley Cup. And I think most fans around the league look at that and say, well, that's not going to happen again. Like it, it was it was a good run, but he's he's not that good. Um, I think he is very good. I don't know if he's 932 in the playoffs every year good, but Aiden Hill is a very good goalie, and this system is going to make him look even better than he is. Bruce Cassidy's zone defense keeps pucks to the outside. It makes the goalie's life easy, um, to, to put it simple. And I, and I think um, one of my bold predictions for the Golden Knights is I think Aiden Hill leads the NHL in save percentage this year. And I don't think he's going to be in the Vezina conversation because he's only going to play half the games. They're going to be, it's going to be a very even split between him and Lorembre Swab. But I think Aiden Hill's a very good goalie. And I think his stats are going to be inflated by a very good defense in front of him. And then the other thing that I think maybe is, is a reason why t- fans aren't picking odds, aren't picking the golden Knights to win is last year in the regular season, they were, they weren't, elite right like you, you nobody picked them to win going into the playoffs last year and a big right. part of that is their underlying metrics were not elite they didn't have a great power play but i think like mark stone missed all that time and this team's not the same when mark stone's not on the ice mark stone and i didn't pick the golden knights to win the cup going into the playoffs and then i saw oh my god mark stone's playing game one and he looks like mark stone i immediately said well i wish i could pick again because i with with mark stone this is absolutely a stanley cup contender and now they have Mark Stone. He's healthy. He's had both those back surgeries. He says he felt better than he has in years. And last night he was really, really good. He was doing Mark Stone things. He he's so clever. He tricks the team, the the other team into thinking they can make complete a pass that they absolutely can't. And once he steals it from you, it's it's in the back of your net before you even realize the mistake you made. He is so good, not only defensively, but that transition from making the take, take getting the takeaway to creating offense before the other team can even can even turn back around and skate back towards their own net. So I think people are underrating Vegas because that cup run, they say, well, that was just a really hot streak of games. That's not how good they are. And we saw that in the regular season. But 
When Mark Stone is on the ice, the Golden Knights are one of the best teams in the NHL. So I, I think this team absolutely can repeat, assuming they have health. They had a lot of luck last year in the playoffs. They were never hurt. Like everyone, other than Loren Brassois getting hurt in net and Aiden Hill coming in. Outside of that, every player on the team was healthy throughout the playoffs. You got to have that. That's kind of, I mean, that's the recipe for every team, right? So um, with a little bit of fortune and luck and health, I think this team can absolutely uh, repeat. And, and that's the goal. You, you mentioned you think Aiden Hill might be the top goaltender when it comes to save percentage, but you don't necessarily think he's going to be a Vesna guy. So let's talk a little bit here as we wrap up with you about the Vesna trophy. And I just posed this question to Julian and to, uh, to Sean a second ago. I'm going to give you two options here. You can take to win the Vesna trophy. You can take a goalie based in New York with the initials IS or you can take the field. Who you take? Give me the New York goalies. I, okay. I like the two Russians in New York. They are studs. Um, I, I will say Jake Ottinger is, is a, just like he's right up there with them. I think I think those three are are the clear cut um, favorites to win. it. If one of those three doesn't win, I'd be surprised. I think that they are the three probably the most talented goalies in the league and they're in good situations. And to me, when you when you look at the two Russians in New York, I think it's very interesting because their situations are very different in terms of the tandem they're playing in. And I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure which one is a better situation in terms of trying to win the Vesna. I think, so you look at um, Ilya Sorokin in, on Long Island, and he's got Semyon Verlamov, who to me is the best backup goalie in the NHL. Um, he's, he's a great goalie, first of all. He's perfectly fine in the role he's in, right? Like sometimes you don't want too good of a backup goalie because, okay, we're going to put pressure on our starter that we don't need. Like we don't need him looking over his shoulder. Whereas with Barlamov, because he's so close with Sorokin, because he is where he is in his career, the, the, the tail end, he is perfectly content being Ilya Sorokin's backup and being awesome at it. And you can play him as much as you want and with no, and he can play as well as he wants with no threat to the starter, which to me is like there isn't a more perfect goalie situation in the league than what the Islanders have because of how good they are, the dynamic between the two. It's perfect. But does that hurt Sorokin in the Vezina conversation because he's not going to get as many starts um, because they have the luxury of, of playing Verlamov whenever they want? And then you have Shesterkin for the Rangers where Jonathan Quick. Look, the guy's had a phenomenal career. He's a Hall of Famer. At his best, he was spectacular. He isn't anymore. Statistically, he's been one of the worst goalies in the entire NHL for quite a while now. It's been a few years that he he hasn't been very good. And I'm I'm my concern with Shesterkin is that if Quick doesn't play well, are they going to lean too heavily on him and play him 65 games? And that could be good for the Vezina, right? If he plays 65 games, he's so good. He's going to put up good numbers. That's probably a Vezina right there. It might hurt you when you get to the playoffs and you're worn down. But so, yeah. So, like, to me, the Vezina conversation between those two is so fascinating because it's so they're, – they're in such different circumstances. I think Shesterkin's got a lot more on his shoulders to carry that team than, than Sorokin does. Um, but that could, that could help him in the Vezina conversation. Yeah, it, it it's going to be a lot of fun. It's it's one of to me it it it's one of the great debates to have is if you had one game to win, who do you take? And and by the way, Andre Vasilevsky is with on his back saying, "Don't forget about me." Uh, somewhere there too. So it's a it's it's a great debate, a great topic. And uh, hey, listen, we're looking forward to having you on on a regular basis in the in the season ahead. Thanks for uh, for for dropping by the Wednesday pod. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. There he goes. Jesse Granger, 
Um, covering the team that just basically always makes the playoffs and they missed it one year and they followed it up with the Stanley Cup. Meanwhile, the rest of the fan bases are like, we just want one trip to the finals. And this guy, it's like, he's had one yeah. bad year. Yeah, one I bad. wonder, I, I think about that where, you know, how much do fan bases look at Vegas with envy? Because from day one, their MO uh, has seemingly been to win the Stanley Cup at all costs. We've seen the video of Bill Foley yep. saying it was like a seven-year plan or however long to get them to a position where they could win the Cup. And pretty much since day one, it's all about winning the Stanley Cup. And they succeeded. They've been to two Stanley Cup finals. There are teams who have not touched the playoffs in about like a decade or less time or teams that have not been remotely as competitive. And remember when the social media feed was as snarky as it was, I think it's changed a little bit now. And we were talking about the slot machine. Uh, Vegas has a different way of doing things. And I, I wonder how much uh, if people, if fans are still a bit envious of that organization for the success and the way they've gone about it. Well, listen, I'm going to have to, uh, we have to stop it there only because as I, as we were with, with Jesse Granger there, remember I told you earlier in the show, I was trying to get a hold of the NHLPA. Oh, and then they were they were phoning me back, and I was like, I can't leave the middle of the podcast. Oh, can I? No. I could. Could I? Should I have left left the podcast? I, if a source I mean, calls if ever, if, in the middle of a pod, what's the what's the protocol? I this is a live like, show now. I I can't just just say, well, thank, hey guys. Well, thank it. God, thank God, we have two hosts for this. So if it comes to a point where yeah. you know I have to hold down the fort while you take the phone call, I could do it. You know, I'll we talk throw to, to a DGB, sponsor break. Yeah, yeah. We'll or be right back after these yeah. important messages. Oh man. Anyway, so yeah, I do. I have to try and get a hold of them and see. Maybe there's something there. Maybe I'm going to have another story to write. Yeah, you've been, I I got to say, man, uh, you've done a great job uh, covering the story uh, between your pieces today and yesterday. So uh, just want that said. Yeah. uh, Before we wrap up today, great job on your coverage when it comes to uh, Pride Night and Hockey Team. Yeah. Listen, I appreciate that. And uh, we're going to have it's. Sean Gentili, Haley Salvian hey, in cool. these seats tomorrow. Friday? Is that are they still a Friday show? And, oh, and, and Max Boltman too. Max and Boltman's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Gentili Salvian Boltman. Three-headed monster. Uh, that's a pretty it's good a Thursday that's a pretty show good trio. with it's a Thursday show with Friday vibes. Yeah. That's I get that tag. vibe. Well, I like we're that. telling it's them a good, that's it's their a, tagline. It's a good like first line. Like if any any team had a first line of Gentili, Salvi, and Boltman, like that's you could build a contender off that. I feel like Gentili might be the softest of the three, though. Oof! You said that. I, you said I that. Think not me. You agree. You think you agree. You said that. Not me. Yeah. I'm. I, I <laughs> don't put that on me. Do not put that on me with Sean oh, Gentili. Right. No, but sir. They'll be back, and then you and I, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and again. Down goes Brown, Jesse Granger, Mike Russo. They'll all be dropping in. Laz, as he did uh, yesterday. So we're going to just have a jam-packed schedule coming up. So it's you and me again on Monday. I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. Let's let's do it on on Monday. And again, like I said, uh, Gentili, Boltman, Salvi. Coming your way uh, Thursday. Uh, I want to remind you that you can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, a lot of content going up there, This, including this live 
This is why you can't run away and take a phone call from the NHLPA because this is like really live, for real. Yes. So live. that's what's live. But uh, you can also follow us on the Old School Podcast platform. And when you do that, leave us a rating and review. We would appreciate that. Again, Thursday uh, show coming up uh, tomorrow. Julie and I are back on Monday.